0: This is the Manips and Sips podcast show featuring two fellowship trained, board certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, business, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey, everyone. This is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring me. I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my usual partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today, we're going to be uh, talking of a, a little bit different, uh, kind of almost like a case study, but kind of uh, taking it a little bit further of actually saying no to your patient. Uh, so Brandon had a, a patient that I saw while I was uh in my fellowship, uh, mentorship with him, and uh, it kind of carried over into a lot of aspects of, I believe, physical therapy and how we treat patients. But before I get going,
1: Brandon, how's it going? Going well, man. Uh, Decided to talk about our our fusion topic today, definitely. A couple big announcements and shout outs I want to make, but uh, as usual, let's start with the drinks and let's start with you because you always lead the way. All right. And uh, for all the viewers at
0: home if we get out of any I am wearing shades for a particular reason. Uh not just to be trying to get myself more cool cuz my cool points are down. Uh, I had LASIK uh a week ago and a uh, a little bit of a uh, miscommunication of uh the uh post-op outcomes for a little bit which is always a uh, good to talk about for our own patients. Um but uh yeah, I'll be rocking shades today. Hopefully that helps uh, boost our uh viewers and listeners <laughs> maybe not the listeners so much but um i'm drinking nightcap actually this is pretty early or this is more of our earlier session for us this is we're doing this at eight o'clock in the morning so this is kind of uh, a little bit false uh, advertising here but it is a stout i feel like if you're gonna have a breakfast beer it should be a stout so uh it's a nine percenter uh, i've had this for a little bit just sitting in my fridge for a good moment uh, so we'll see if i get through this puppy it's called nightcap imperial stout uh brew with candy cat mushrooms that might be aggressive in the morning but oh this
1: sounds delicious you have any yeah. more of those i might have to have
0: one of these candy cat with candy like a candy mushroom not like real mushrooms right or is that uh, I, don't I don't know, know. is it know cannon mushrooms with candy what they put on top candy. of the potatoes for like huh? thanksgiving i have no idea i'm gonna look this up uh can by oh this is an interesting name uh 54 degree. Uh, it's it's like longitude latitude. 54 by 40. Beer brewing company in Washougal, Washington. I don't even know how the heck I got this beer. It was sitting in my beer fridge. So mm-hmm. um, that's definitely an interesting one. But uh, drinking out of my mainstay glass from uh, in Philadelphia. So this is probably the only one big enough to fit all this beer.
1: But uh, Brandon, what about you? While I pour this. Yeah. So, um, so I've had this before on the show. It's the Bacardi Añejo that was uh, gifted by our amazing, awesome patient Manny. Um, he's a patient of ours who had a, uh, a stroke. Uh, we don't normally see it, but he was referred to us by a, a friend of mine who closed down his practice. And he came to us. But the guy's awesome. Genuine as hell. uh, Funny as hell. I can only imagine what he was like prior to his stroke because, you know, he is obviously battling some of the mental aspects of it as well. Depression and things like that. But he had gifted this uh, to me. Awesome. We've had it before. It kind of has a vanilla hint to it. Uh, Since it is early in the morning, I'm probably not going to pour too much here. Just because uh, we've got a full day ahead of us. You're brave with the 9 percenter. Uh, the reason why I picked uh, – looks, that looks uh, thick, bro. Yeah. The reason why I picked this is because one of uh, our – my former interns, Emmett, uh, graduated in May, passed his boards last month, just got his license the other day. So big shout-out and congrats to uh, Emmett Rojo, uh, you guys, if you guys are regular listeners, uh, you know, I've talked about him. We've talked about him before. We've hazed him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, like to uh, joke around and embarrass him a little bit, but he's a good sport about it. So we hired him because uh, he's, a, he's a work hard, play hard guy. That uh, he is, And we love that. So uh, big shout out to Emmett. Congratulations, bud. Proud of you. <laughs> Uh That's him a and Manny had an awesome, awesome connection. Uh, Emmett really took care of him, actually hit some big milestones uh, treatment-wise, did some like outside the box uh, treatment, some neurodynamics, some cervical um, mobilizations with neurodynamics, got him out of his flexion contracture for the most part. He still has it, but I mean, he came in like this and now he can move and grip things uh, better. He was able to tie his shoes. He's walking That's without it. a cane now, like some pretty big stuff. And um, he hadn't made those milestones in three years, and then within you know four months of being with us, uh, he did that. So awesome. uh, those two are, are, are linked. Manny loves uh, Emmett. Um, they joke around and haze each other. Uh, Emmett took five bucks from him in a bet and actually made the guy pay up. So that was a uh, pretty yeah. <laughs> pretty funny. Uh, and then last thing, uh, Emmett was awesome enough. He's he's quite the 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 craftsman. Made me this. Uh, knowing charles barkley is one of my favorite if not my favorite player uh ever um overheard me talking about it remembered it and made me this gift um, um a poster so i i think she hanging out but i've been waiting to do it on the show before uh before i hung it up so emmett here's your shout up brother i know you uh you know i don't want you to feel left out man
0: congrats Cheers to emmett congrats on joy and pursue
1: yeah, so Emmett's helping um, lead the charge over in our new office in Hoboken. We just opened that uh, this week. This week is, I know this show is going to go out probably in a couple of weeks after. Uh, today's the 16th of September, so we opened on Monday. Um, so Emmett's uh, helping lead the charge there. So awesome. uh, anyone who has any uh, friends or family in the Hoboken area needs some PT, we're there now in downtown over on 80 River Street. So come on down includes hoboken jersey
0: city new york you yeah. fly in from you know massachusetts to come see these guys do it um you know whatever it takes you know yeah the, the kings of the north uh but uh um, congratulations on the second office it's awesome stuff
1: thanks man appreciate it <sighs> cheers all right man. so so how's your your drink what what rating are you giving it
0: it it's it's solid for 9%. I thought I was going to, you know, kind of put me on my ass. It's extraordinarily smooth, which is sometimes the higher you get, but usually it's at 10% threshold. That's when it's just like, it goes from like, you can feel the strength to like, wow, it gets like buttery smooth. Mm. Um, so really smooth, uh, standard, you know, what you think of an imperial stout, nothing like too jumping at me. I, uh, I don't know if I just don't know what candy cap mushrooms are. I can't really taste that on my palate. Maybe it's not uh versatile enough for uh, my 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 palate there, but I'll give it I'll give it a solid eight. Solid, I like this. I said I wasn't gonna drink it all the way through. Who knows? This is this is going down a little bit easier than I thought. So I'm gonna give it a flat eight. It's good. I'm happy with my choice today.
1: Not so much with my
0: coffee though. That was I don't know about you your experience there, Brandon, but I don't like girls, not, not to talk too smack, too much smack on my wife, can never settle on a creamer of any sorts. It's always, I know I usually go in black, but I was just like, oh, I saw a creamer and every time I open up the fridge, it's a different creamer. And this one, I just put a splash. just a little bit just to like uh, t- test it out. And it instantly made the whole coffee go like borderline looking like milk. Well, too much,
1: Still too much. Yeah. Well, so what flavor is it? Are we talking flavored creamers here? It's only a flavor creamer. I think Which one it's hazelnut E. All right. Yeah, I usually buy oh, the much? regular creamer. I like just a little bit. Um, today, actually, I'm drinking my coffee black oddly enough. Wow. Um, Switched. But uh, Well, I was just out of milk and cream, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> I need to go shopping. Um, there's a good creamer for a while I was hooked on. It was like the Cinnabon creamer. It's fucking crack, dude. I wasn't, I wasn't big the creamers. And then like I had it, I was like, this is delicious. And then after a while of having it, I started messing with my stomach. So I think I was just having, I was also having like cups of coffee. That's like, you know, this big in a, in a, you know, probably 25 ounce container. yeah So I think it was more the coffee than the creamer, but anyway, I I've cut back a lot on the coffee. I try and have uh, like two cups max, like on the, you know, when you pour it up um, and that's it. So I've been cutting back on that. I cut back on the flavored creamers um trying to you know drink more water and things like that but yeah yeah all right so um we might have to change our episode to uh you know
0: coffee talk
1: and creamer talk (laughs) um where we're going all right let's talk Um, about this patient let's talk about fusions you know um i guess jay what you know, I, I know you so everybody in the audience, Jeremy kind of um, makes a, a list on a docket that we share and we just go over topics that we discussed about and ran, you know, different points in time. And then, you know, we go through it and it's like, all right, what do we want this episode to be? Um, so, you know, we're like, you know, do it on fusion. And he's like, yeah, your story, you know, resonated with me and popped popped out. So I was like, what story? <laughs> but I, I just I just talk too much. Um, so Jay, what, what about that story, I, I guess, as an intro to this topic of fusions and educating our patients on why or hopefully why not to get fusions? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll go from there. But yeah, what, what was kind of what stood out to you?
0: Yeah. So I, I believe his name, oh, I guess we'll just say patient. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, pick a random letter there. Um, when I was up there for fellowship, uh, mentoring and that sort of stuff. Uh, just seeing him around, uh, I think you said he was an interesting case or maybe even Emmett or somebody was talking about him a little bit. And, uh, I believe at that time he had, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was like six
1: fusions or six major back surgeries, or maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, it was five or six, um, surgeries in general. I think the first surgery was a microdiscectomy. and then yeah. he had about four or five fusions at um you know single level and low back and then that became two three it became multi multi multi-level um multi-levels for multiple fusions yeah so one that was surprising i've never
0: i never experienced anyone with uh multi-fusions i don't get too many fusions actually i haven't i don't know if i had a fusion since maybe you know way 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 post-op uh just mentioning past medical history uh Uh, Sort of thing, but I don't get too many fusions since I start my practice. Um, So that was one interesting. uh, Just kind of see this trickle down effect in the negative way of getting kind of these uh, fusion or surgery after surgery. But what really resonated with me and just watch him in the clinic. He loved everyone. He was interactive with therapy. He was participant. He's an older gentleman. We're talking about you know a different generation here. Uh, We'll talk about that. You know, a lot of them are unfortunately misguided. Uh, but at one point you said, well, I actually said, you know, I will correct me if I'm wrong there, Brandon, you said something along the lines of, I won't treat you if you go for another surgery, um, almost kind of like putting your foot down, uh, looking in the best interest of your patient. And that, that, and you know, especially as a business owner not alone as, as a pt and we have this altruistic nature of trying to help everyone no matter what they do even if they're knuckleheads but you know as a business owner and that sort of stuff but to say that uh at first i was like whoa uh but then to hear your rationale about it um and probably the impact that happened as a result of you doing that i thought was was amazing so uh, I'll leave that to you and kind of where that story picked up. I don't want to mess up probably any more than I did.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I actually, I should have probably looked up the email prior to this episode. Um, I mean, this happened a few years back, I think right around the 2019 ish into early 2020, you know, so then we're buttoned up against COVID as well. Uh, but he, I had first come to uh, see him after he had, um, two surgeries within you know two fusions within months of each other um so then i got him and we're rehabbing um so this had to be uh spring you know late winter spring uh of uh of 19 i believe um came to me after his fusions okay still having pain and ridiculous symptoms uh i mean very deconditioned um And this is a person who used to run marathons, He's a big runner, loves to hike, loves his family, loves his grandkids, likes to be able to play with them. And he just couldn't do anything, Um, you know, and, you know, I probably say, you know, rightfully so. His morale is, you know, taking a hit. His ego is probably taking a hit a little bit. He's gone through a lot in the the recent, um, you know, months and even years uh, watching his function deteriorate. But, uh, you know, we're rehabbing him and he'd have his good days and bad days, which which is normal. Uh, normal after a surgery like that, normal after somebody of that age as well. And, um, you know, we got to the point where it was the summertime now and he, you know, wasn't happy with basically the pain. Um, not not necessarily his function, but his pain. Like he, he, he was always stiff. He had some numbness, tingling still. Um, you know, I think part of it was, like you said, expectations of, uh what his outcomes were going to be I th- you know partly I believe some of his expectations where he's going to be able to go run again run you know marathons and uh, you know he wasn't able to um so kind of you know long story short back and forth i think he went away for the summer uh you know down the shore with his family and he i get you know some emails from him and he's like i'm thinking about going back and getting another surgery yada yada and, you know, this is after months of, you know, education, education, examples, you know, talking about the research and the evidence and, you know, we don't want to get surgery or we don't want to get fusions just for pain alone. You know, at this point, he's not having any, uh, you know, true neurological things. We're not having any um, you know, significant weakness, myotomal weakness, bladder and bowel dysfunction, anything like that. So at this point, um, if you're just getting surgery for pain, and as fusion is for pain, it, it's probably not the best thing. We, I think we can all agree that um, we need to be begin to move away from that if we already haven't um, and educate our patients about that. So long story short, we, you know, I basically told him, I was like, listen, I understand if you want to do this, uh, you know, I, we all have our own process of, of dealing with things. Um, but if, you know, you decide to continue going down this road, I don't think I'm the provider for you. Um, and, you know, this was after you know, him always saying, you know, I'm his provider, you know, singing my praises X, Y, and Z. He wants to get better. He wants to get better. And it's like, dude, you you have to pick kind of one or the other at this point, you know, not to try and be uh, authoritarian. I can't even talk right now, but um, you know, not to be a dictator, but we wanted to, you know, get him away from going back, you know, to the, to the well there of getting surgeries. So um you know, he's like, no, no, I think you misunderstood. I think you misunderstood. I was like, Kevin, I I totally get it. You're, you know, you're unsure. You understand where I'm at now. If you want me to set you up with a second or third opinion, that's great. Um, But I think you have like some reflecting to do on what you really want and what your outcomes, you know, what you want to be able to do. And I kind of left it at that. So he's, he's just kind of like, okay. And then I didn't hear from him for, for a while. Um, And then he, in that time went and got uh, a assert, his fusion. And this time he got, everything fused from you know t1 down uh called me again he's like hey you know i went forward the surgery i'd love for you to do my rehab again x y and z you know he's back now Uh, i'm not going to turn him away but um it it was hard to you know he's a genuine guy He's, he's an awesome human being but to you know it was kind of painful to be like you know you need to stop going down this route now we're in this you know we're, we're still kind of dealing with pain and stiffness and, and things and you know um yeah i think his, his surgeon was like well next is doing the cervical spine i was like no like when are we we, we got to stop here bud mm-hmm. um so hopefully stay away from that he's got some other stuff going on we'll we'll leave it alone at that but yeah there's you know a lot of takeaways from that that we can hopefully un you know unravel on layer just some of the research some of the um some articles i have here from 2002 that was done in the new yorker about perspectives of surgeons performing this stuff um i think jeremy's more so alluding to just me having um i guess the wherewithal uh to be like hey you know maybe i'm not your provider mm-hmm. uh if you're going to keep going down this route
0: yeah i thought that was that's just impressive and, and i think that in itself probably at least challenged him to, to rethink things. Like you just mentioned some things of like, Oh, the surgeon doesn't seem to mind. Goes, fuck it. We'll, we'll fuse everything. Um, and I would think at least with what you did, at least he's, you know, maybe like was considering, all right, maybe I, I need to stop here. Maybe I, I shouldn't go and fuse my cervical spine and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, we brought up on the show before is, you know, we sometimes can't teach an old dog new tricks in a sense. And especially with our older generations, um, you know, where that was a thing, you know, the surgeons, the, the top of the food chain, they're the great white sharks of, you know, healing per se. Um, what they say goes. And you know, obviously they want, that's what their bread and butter is, but some of their surgeries are ineffective. And especially with what Brandon's saying, you know, he's trying to guide uh, this patient, you know, where, you know, fusion's not good for pain, you know, when has any of the previous surgeries or fusions helped you with this pain? Um, And, you know, I first, I, you know, I thought, you know, this patient was unique, but uh, the more and more I listen, I mean, I've a, I haven't got to see her. I've been trying to see her as a girlfriend of a of a patient of mine right now, who's like low twenties or mid twenties. has already have a fusion. Um, is now in pain management, doing like contrast therapy in her feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so very interesting stuff, and they're, they're already talking about another surgery and that sort of stuff. And you can already tell her she's got all these other you know, factors. And I only talked to her for like 20 minutes um, of all these other things. And, you know, I, you know, gave her some evidence, talked about some things. And hopefully with just that conversation or a little bit is like, I mean, maybe we need to stop here. Um, I think we beat up ourselves uh, a lot for the the patients that uh, I guess go down and have multiple surgeries. I do like ACLs and such and so forth. And, you know, sometimes that's just their process. But if you can stop that line where, you know, hey, you know, this person, if it wasn't, you know, for some good education, we've had, you know, 10 surgeries. I've met people who've had, were, you know, in the teens and almost into the 20s of surgeries. And I, I beat myself up for individuals that I get one Um and, you know, I think it's, you know, good time education and then doing something, you know, what Brandon did where, you know, essentially put your foot down and said, you know, for the better interest of the patient of, I don't think this is the best option for you. If you really want my services, you're going to have to, I guess, meet me halfway. And that, you know, changed his, um, hopefully is the rest of his life to at least some degree, um, I know you were talking about before that Kevin, oops, sorry. Okay. Uh, it's only my first name um, is referred a ton of people to you and that sort of stuff His kids and all that sort of stuff. Um, other family members, friends and that sort of stuff. And maybe they're not so far down that uh, medical medicalization rabbit hole and you can at least change their lifespan. You know, he may be kind of, you know, prefixed on all that sort of stuff, but, You know, maybe the future generations are permanently changed because you're able to get in and kind of change his perspective a little bit.
1: Yeah, uh, hope so. Um, You know, it it is it is unfortunate because a lot of you know what he was going for, it it was just pain. Um, Unfortunately, you know, yeah. Well, what number do you? You say enough is enough that, okay, you had one surgery, you had two, you had three, you had four, that maybe some other things are going on here. Plus, you know, like you, you were talking about where you're a 20-something-year-old patient, you know, the psychosocial aspects that um, either underlie what's going on or are caused because of what's going on. You know, I, I've had surgery. It's, um, you know, I had a labral surgery, you know, years ago. And, you know, brings in doubts to, you know, is this going to be the same again? You know, is this going to, you know, tear again? Can I go back to doing what I did before? Um, you know, there's there's pain there. There's if I don't stretch it out and mobilize it and keep it loose, it starts to bother my neck and things like that. Um, you know, luckily, I have the knowledge and education to, you know, um, work through it individually or seek help if I need it. Um but also understand like the outcomes and where to go and things like that. Not all your patients or most of your patients have that ability. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's uh, an article that um, was actually published, uh, written in the New York times in 2002, you know, when we're talking specifically about uh, fusions Um, it was written by Jerome Groupman. It's called is a knife in the back is surgery. The best approach to chronic back pain. Uh, And I'm just going to kind of read some quotes here. Uh, for the audience. And hopefully you guys can, one, look up this article, or reach out to us and, and we'll can give it to you. But um, this is stuff you need to be able to educate your patients on it and you know, tell them, hey, this is not the way to go, especially if it's just for pain. Uh, here's a quote by some uh, high level doctors from uh, big hospitals like HSS or Stanford and, and the like. Um, you know, here's one quote in medicine. If you're able to stick a needle on a person and a person, you are reimbursed at a much b- a higher and better rate by insurance companies. So there is tremendous drive to perform invasive procedures. Um, an internist on, on back pain and expert on back pain, Richard Dao, who's done a lot of articles that we've read, Jer, um, mm-hmm. an internist and an expert on back pain at the university of Washington has published, uh, statistically, uh, statistical analysis, Uh, of existing research suggesting that spinal fusion and invasive procedures generally lack scientific rationale. With that being said, the rationale behind it, spinal instability is routinely given as a diagnosis to patients with chronic low back pain. It is a term used to justify an operation. Um, And it's a great diagnosis because it can't be directly proven. This is by an unnamed surgeon who performs two to three fusions a week. Right, and that goes to um, you know a lot of Peter O'Sullivan's work, uh, Adrian Lowe's work. Uh, you know what is spinal instability? There's this myth of the core, and we that we need to activate the TRA. You know, so how does how does you know things done on the pathoanatomical side, on the physician side, on the surgical side transition into you know what we think and do uh, on the PT level? Uh, you know, we always talk about instability. Well you know, instability from a ligamentous standpoint is way different than maybe dynamic instability, where maybe your muscles aren't firing correctly, or, um, there's a motor patterning or motor sequence, uh, issue as well. And, and a lot of times we use the term, oh, you're unstable. What does that really mean? And is that a harmful word to our patients? And can we choose a different word, um, for our patients? Uh, i got a couple other quotes there, but I'll, uh, I'll stop talking. Let you, seems like you, you want to chime in there, Jerry
0: Yeah. I guess you can't tell as much with the shades and stuff, but uh, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I think I, it's, uh, it used to be a, it's you commonly see on Facebook and Instagram for physical therapists is uh, what's the number one um, cause of uh, low back surgery or effusions. And it's just like pain, blah, 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 you know, some sort of diagnosis, and then one was zip code was one of the questions or one of the answers. And oh, really? Yeah, the answer is zip code. A lot of it's again a financial so sort of thing. Knowledge. I can't imagine how yeah. much that cost and everything like that. And uh, I mean, again, you know, they're business people too. Uh, the whole mm-hmm. medical system in America is definitely a business sort of stuff. But you know, it's one thing if let's say you're doing a placebo surgery; and it's not maybe. Uh, affecting that person or changing up their body or their perceptions of that person. But, you know, what are we doing for this patient? Again, down the lifespan, um, you know, it starts to beg the question and, you know, we're starting to get fusions out at 20 years old and that sort of stuff. And um, I think you made some, you know, good points about, you know, the the expectations, Um, you know, take my eye surgery, for example. Uh, I went in, got a consultation on Tuesday and by having a conversation they're like oh we'll set you up for thursday uh and you'll be fine by you know the course you have to teach this weekend with brandon um and i was chalked uh like they didn't give me you know i just assumed i was like damn fucking technology's gotten amazing lately damn i'll be ready to rock and roll by the weekend um and you know a lot of times they yeah i put my head down i couldn't look um and, you know, they're they're thinking, oh, we have a time slot on Thursday. Let's fill it with this guy. Yeah, great. Um, and I'm not dead or anything like that, but how does that affect, you know, my ability to perform or, you know, our business and such and so forth. And I think that's where a lot of our issues come to be is we're, you know, trying to have this balance of, you know, our pockets and, and business or finances and the patient's being. And I think a lot of the times, you know, that, that business, that finance side um, overtakes, unfortunately, what the patients are experiencing. Uh, so hopefully that's something that changes. I remember in residency, um, an article was brought up of like the, um, the best back surgeon in America, or is like proclaimed or was rated as that. Um, he was going doing his surgeries and he was constantly working on his craft and he was saying, it's just like, you know, there was no errors with how he's doing it and he was cleaning up things. And he's like, he felt like he was getting better and better with how he was operating and yet continued to have worse and worse outcomes. Uh, and then he just thought he was like, I need to operate on more and more and more people. And then constantly kept getting worse and worse outcomes until he had to like take a step back and, started to realize his surgeries weren't helping people. They weren't, you know, especially for the long-term, especially for pain. He started to realize like, this is not, this isn't good. He's like, I'm, I'm hurting people more than helping them. And now he's still an amazing surgeon, but he's purely like a trauma-based surgeon for backs. Um, or when the, I think it's even said that it's like progressive, like neurological issues and that sort of stuff. So at least he had insight to be like, shit, you know, this isn't helping yet. He was, you know, trying to do in his best nature, like to try and get better. He was like constantly working on things, mentoring, you know, following the best people. Um, but at least he took a step back and now he's only having doing operations on the people that most need it. So that was a super cool article. Um, and that's something that we should do as you know, all of us as clinicians. I always mention on the show, I reflect on the year before uh, through some random, you know, notes that I audit of myself and I look back and like, uh look at those things I probably wouldn't have done. Um and I just try and involve myself. And I think that's a, you know a good thing to do. Um especially for chronic low back pain patients.
1: Yeah to to just to kind of piggyback and probably wrap up here. Um you know, what you were saying, just two more quotes here from that knife in the back article. Here's a a doctor from Stanford estimates that less than 25% of lumbar fusion operations he performs will be completely successful, right? Um, For the majority of patients, the surgery does not have dramatic impact on either pain or mobility. And this kind of goes to what you were saying, you know, that patient or that surgeon needs to be selective. We really Mm -hmm. should only be doing um, surgery for certain, you know, people with certain types of pathologies that have glaring kind of red flags or um, kind of issues going on there. We're talking about the spine, at least. Uh, and the last one from a HSS uh, surgeon regularly sees spinal fusion patients who experience persistent pain after multiple operations, mm-hmm. and that goes to the patient that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, pain is not your indication. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we now know that pain is made in the brain, not to say it's made up, but the way processed and everything is in the brain. Yes, there are external or peripheral nociceptive factors uh, as well, but you know, surgery is not gonna clear that up and we need to do a better job as clinicians. One, treating those patients with um, central sensitization or patients who have chronic pain, right? There's a difference between patients who have chronic pain and chronic pain patients. Right. And then being able to hopefully also not only treat it, but educate our patients. Hey, this is probably not the route you want to go to. Let's try, you know, let's give this a real concerted effort, you know. Uh, and one of the things, you know, I, I told, well, I tell most of my patients, like on something like this, obviously every patient's a little different, but, um, you know, let's give this, you know, surgery is always going to be there. Let's give this a concerted eight, 12 weeks, three times a week um, where you're doing it. And that three times a week doesn't necessarily have to be in my office. You know, if you're going to be compliant and do this stuff at home, great. But if you're not, then you need to be in here, but you can't say 12 weeks have passed and you only did, you know, 10 days worth of stuff. You know, it's not how it works just because we were here for 12 weeks. Doesn't mean it was actually 12 weeks or eight weeks or whatever the number is, mm-hmm. um, you know, explaining to them, you know, changes aren't going to happen, you know, if you're not doing it three, four days a week, there's 169 hours in a week. If I have you for three of them, you know, we're less than 1% of that week. You mm-hmm. know, try and put things in perspective there. Um, encourage people to move. Most people feel better if they move anyway. And we know here in America, um, movement's not the number one option for most people, especially lower socioeconomic areas.
0: Yeah. Um, I think they brought up some good points with that. And, you know, something they bring up is time, especially these you know, chronic pain patients. And I think we're kind of getting into this mode of, all right, we got to see people and discharge people. We can't see them for a prolonged period of time or anything like that. But you're, you know, especially these chronic pain patients, you're, you're changing up their, you're trying to change up their whole mentality, their behaviors, years worth. I mean, I've had people who've had pain longer than I've been alive when I saw them at the time of eval. Maybe not so much anymore because I'm getting older, but um, and definitely not for Brandon. He's ancient, but. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. No problem. Um, but, um, you know, you, you, you got to give yourself time and those conversations are going to take. There's layers. Well, I always say you got to peel back the layers and it's not all done in one session. You're going to find new things and it's going to different fears and other sort of things, past traumas. Uh, that need to be, you know, addressed, and it's going to take time. And that, you know, exercise and endurance for and capacity for activity is going to take time to build up. You don't just go from I'm an active individual. Let me go run a marathon, even if I'm active. Now I have to build up my steps. Um, so, you know, give yourself time with these patients. Um, you know, they've gone through a lot, uh, both mental and, and physical trauma. Um, which I always kind of find funny is like people bring up things with like a motor vehicle accident. It was the cause of their issues 15, 20 years ago of you know, that trauma itself. And yet they want someone to go in there with hammers and stuff like that to cause some more trauma, but um, you know, make sure you kind of get, well, you know, take the time to work on these patients. And uh, Brandon, I know you see a lot of direct access um, and that sort of stuff of those individuals um that you've seen that are purely direct access low back pain haven't really had any other input um how many of those and you've been practicing for what eight plus years um have how many of those have ended up needing to have like a surgery
1: so probably pretty few yeah um i'm sure there is been one or two actually right? that have never seen other another medical provider Well, yeah, or
0: no more than, I guess, a GP and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'd
1: I'd say for the most part, um, they haven't needed surgery. Am I going to say 100%? No, I'm sure I'm missing somebody um, just here off the top of my head. I remember having one guy who was a crossword. He came in with a real bad shift. Um, I can't remember. It wasn't my patient. It was one of my employees. This was a few years back but he, um, I can't remember if he saw a surgeon prior to coming to see us. Um, He might've ended up getting something. We were trying to tell him no, but he also wasn't listening or compliant. Like he would still go do handstand push-ups and try and lift through his pain. It's like, dude, you need to like at least give us a couple of weeks of of not doing anything so we can make the necessary change. So um, that's one off the top of my head, but yeah, I'm sure there's been a couple that, but largely, you know, they haven't needed, you know, we, we had a, you know, a patient, um, this week chronic pain for, for two years, uh, you know, cleared up, uh, you know, 90% within, you know, we used her as a case study, um, you know, and she was having numbness, tingling on her arms, headaches. Um, we couldn't wake up, you know, would wake up with her both hands and arms asleep, um, had back pain too, had a history of some, uh, ridiculous stuff down her low, uh, her lower extremity as well um so usually those you know just because you have chronic pain just because you have numbness tingling doesn't necessarily require surgery you just need the right intervention um for the right patient at the right time yep
0: that's all it's about and again some of those individuals do need to have a surgery and it's you know the right patient at the right time it's oh we're getting progressive neurological you know loss and that sort of stuff we've tried even, you know, a little like therapy and that sort of stuff or preparation for the surgery. It's not getting better. All right. Then, you know, that person needs to have some sort of operation. So, um, you know, but I feel like we should always get a, we should always get a crack at it. Obviously we're biased, but you know, that's, you know, the proof is in the pudding there is, you know, why I brought that up is, you know, think back and maybe pull that one, two, I don't think, we had one patient that did one or two sessions. I don't think she made it to the second. She had a red dick. Um, she was coming to us first. Again, we didn't really get to, I think she may have only been one. Um, and I assume she went to the ortho. I just never got, you know, never heard from her again, tried to follow up. Um, and she may have, may have went down that route, but you know, see that big change in difference if we get those people early educate them continue to get them moving and you know change up their life but um yeah i think that's a pretty good to wrap up there anything
1: else there brandon uh no i guess we'll just make a make our announcements uh we have got a bunch of courses slated for uh the rest of the year we just had our cervical thoracic course uh which was awesome jeremy taught them in his shades uh, he's a trooper. Um, that was a great turnout when we have 13, 14 people, great weekend. We have our, we have a private course, the second week of October, uh, third week of October, we have the lumbo pelvic course, uh, down at Jeremy's place at trifecta. Uh, we're doing a semi-private course in early November. Uh, I believe the second week in November with a uh, perfect stride out in New York city for anybody in New York. Uh, definitely check that out there. Uh, they're an awesome. Practice doing great things with uh, a lot of runners. Um, the first week of November, November sixth, I believe, we have a one-day fun extremity manipulation, upper and lower uh, extremity. So that's a quick one-day course uh, that's fun. And then uh, we have our uh, big banger course, spinal manipulation, at the beginning of December to end the year, um, and that that's always you know packed. So oh. hopefully, we see some people. Um, who listen to this podcast out in one of the courses. Uh, We also also have our um, mentorship program and our manual therapy videos online that can be purchased. If you guys are looking for a mentorship, um, looking for a residency or fellowship style, um, I guess, level and knowledge to improve your skill set, we have a a hybrid model there. So definitely um, reach out to us. We'd be happy to fill you in more. Awesome. Is there anything else to add? Did I miss anything? No, by the
0: time this bad boy is probably released, uh, we'll also have another thing by, uh, I guess, popular demand over the years. Brandon and I have uh, gotten a lot of uh, questions and um, asked for business mentorship. Uh, being that Brandon's uh, has two offices, uh, I'm on the verge of two office, maybe hopefully a third. Um, you know, some business advice for the for the you know expert clinician or the a clinician that wants to you know you know really focus on outcomes and clinical excellence uh so we have a company called that for called the rehab coaches uh so that'll be launched by the time uh, this episode is released uh i'm looking for a strong start in 2022 so if anybody's interested in that feel free to reach out to me and uh yeah it's called the rehab coaches and hopefully we can uh, help some people along and you know start this uh entrepreneurial uh pt spirit in america
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, uh, definitely pumped to be a part of that, help you out with that. I know you've been talking about it for a while. Fortunately, things sometimes take a little longer, but we're going to do it and we'll get out there. We're still young in our careers. Uh, I guess one other thing we're doing, the uh, for those of you in New Jersey listening to us, we're doing the APTA New Jersey um, golf outing in November oh, yeah. or not November, October. I apologize. October 12th. Uh, IOS MT, our continued education uh, arm. Of things it will be one of the sponsors sponsoring the, the lunch so uh definitely check us out check out you know support APTA and Jay as a whole uh you don't need to be a good golfer just go out have some fun with a group of uh friends network mm-hmm. and uh that's another uh, opportunity hopefully we'll get to meet some people so yeah well we're two years
0: running in a row where we've come was the we've come to last. I'd say we were last uh most honest we are the yeah, most we have honest. The lower
1: score yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So I'm we hoping, it, I'm hoping we golfing. turn that
1: around this year, though.
0: Yeah, so we're playing chess, not checkers, baby. We're, we've saved ourselves. What? That's a pretty expensive course, probably four hundred dollars or uh-huh. less, maybe uh, three fifty. Uh, in uh, playing a couple of games of golf between me and Brandon for being here,
1: for being the worst.
0: Yeah, so I'm not I'm not mad about it. It's, honestly, yeah. it's the best policy, baby. Yeah. But uh, all right, well, thanks everyone for listening in. Great episode, and uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys. Oh, I spilled some. Oh, shit. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Nips and Sips. If you liked what you listened to, please follow and subscribe to us on all major social media and podcast platforms. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. Interested in one of our courses? Go to www.iosmt.com. Interested in business and private practice mentorship and advice? visit us at therehabcoaches.com. As always, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or recommendations, whether that be clinical or SIPs. At Manips and SIPs, at The Decent Doctor, and at Think Like a Fellow. Thanks for tuning in and cheers, everyone.